3: Oh, hello. Welcome back to another spooky October episode of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby! Fine. Is it spooky? Debatable. Is it violent and bloody and full of murder and magic? Yes. This week, we're back with a woman introduced last week, one of the most famous women of Greek mythology probably the most famous who isn't a god, and famous mostly for being a bit crazy and incredibly violent. Medea. If you'll recall, last week we learned the story of Jason and the Argonauts. Their adventures traveling to find the Golden Fleece and the people they met along the way, including Medea, the daughter of the man they took the Golden Fleece from, A woman who has little qualms with destroying those she loves and just killing people in general. A woman who was tricked into falling in love with Jason through the magic of Aphrodite and Hera. And who's to say if that's what made her crazy and murderous, but I would bet it's fairly likely. Where we left off, Jason and Medea had been kicked out of Iolcus, the city where Jason had returned to claim his rightful throne. And they were kicked out Because in order to dispose of the current king, Medea helped Jason by convincing the king's daughters to murder him in an attempt to keep him from aging. They killed their father, cut him up into tiny pieces, and basically turned him into a stew, all at the urging of our friend Medea. And so they were expelled from Iolcus, and they settled in the city of Corinth. This is episode 14, Double, Double, Toil and Trouble, Jason Will Burn and the Children Bubble. Now a key piece of this particular telling of Medea is that much of it is based on Euripides' tragedy, also called Medea. I'll be quoting from it because it's a play and it's amazing, I'm referencing the Penguin Classics version to the people who know me, surprise, surprise, but guess what? I bought this one. Used. Anyway, it's translated by John Davy. So, I want you to keep in mind that not only is this a well-known story, but it was played out in front of a crowd of people as far back as 431 BC. So Jason and Medea have settled in Corinth, but Jason is getting restless. You see, even in the ancient world, people were xenophobic as fuck. Jason was feeling more and more bothered by the fact that he had brought with him a foreign woman, a so-called barbarian princess, daughter of a barbarian king. The ancient Greeks referred to most people who were non-Greeks as barbarians. Typically, these people were from Asia Minor, the Middle East as we now know it, often Turkey. The word barbarian comes from what the Greeks interpreted as their language, they heard them making bar-type sounds and in their words, and so they called these people barbarians. I think it was us Westerners who turned this into a term that's darker, more troubling for, you know, a term for people who were actually barbarous. In this case, it was really just people who didn't speak Greek, and therefore were hated in Greece because, again, xenophobia forever. In any event. Jason brought home a barbarian princess, and suddenly he was less than okay with this. This was, though, after they've had two children together. So I think it's pretty clear that Jason is a really great guy, right? I mean, take a woman away from her family because you've placed her under a love spell, watch as she destroys her family along the way, quite literally, most likely because of said love spell make her kill a man for you in one of the most troubling ways ever described in ancient Greek mythology, and then get bored of her after you have children together because the people around you are xenophobic and you think they'll think better of you if you marry a Greek woman. And so yes, that's what Jason decides to do. I don't know if he and Medea ever had an official wedding ceremony, but Jason didn't seem to care either way. After some time living in Corinth together, Jason tells Medea that he's arranging to be married to Glauca, the daughter of King Creon of Corinth. And this is not the same Creon as the king of Thebes post-Oedipus, it's just a common name, I guess. Shockingly, Medea doesn't take this news well. Women. Am I right? Can't live with them, can't tell them you're marrying another woman because she's Greek and a princess and who cares about our history and children. (sighs) Though while Medea rightly is incredibly angry to learn of Jason's straight-up asshole-level betrayal, she hides it, for a while at least. She rages to herself and to the nurse who serves her and her children, but she doesn't let Jason know her feelings. The nurse is faithful to Medea. She traveled with her on the Argo when everything awful started to happen. The nurse tells the audience, those who are watching the play, how Medea feels at having betrayed her family. She wishes Jason had never come on his quest, how everything would have been different if Medea hadn't been forced into destroying her family, causing the death of Pelias at the hands of his own daughters. Then the children's tutor arrives, and he speaks with the nurse. He tells her that he's overheard the king, Creon. He's overheard his plan. He plans to exile Medea and her children. And he hasn't heard that Jason has any issue with this. He has a new wife now, so what good is the old one and their children? Again, Jason is a really awesome guy, just a stand-up fellow. The nurse is concerned. Medea is depressed and angry, and she's seen her glaring at her children, looking at them like they're the cause of their father's general awfulness. Now there's always a chorus in Greek plays, and in this case it's Corinthian women. Quite an impressive concept for the time. We'll just ignore the fact that obviously women weren't actually allowed to act in plays, and so all of these people were technically men, but they were playing women. Finally, after much back and forth with the nurse and the chorus about the plight of Medea and the children, King Creon arrives to speak with Medea. He tells her of his plan, that he'll exile her and her children. Creon arrives and he greets Medea quote, You there, Medea, with your sullen looks and angry feelings against your husband, I order you to leave this land and become an exile, taking with you your two sons, and lose no time. She asks him, Why is he exiling her? And he says, quote, I fear you, in case you do some irreparable harm to my daughter. Any number of things makes me afraid of this. You're a sorceress and a woman who is no stranger to dark knowledge. To this, Medea flatters him and denies any thought of harming his daughter. She kisses his ass real hard and assures him she's not nearly as dangerous as her reputation suggests. Besides, she doesn't blame him. No, she only blames her husband. She pleads with Creon, asking him to take pity on her and her children. She convinces him to give her a day to get things in order. He agrees. He'll delay her exile by a single day. And then he leaves. Medea speaks with the chorus of Corinthian women again. They ask her, what will she do? Where will she go now that she's exiled? Medea isn't concerned, though. She says her husband and his new wife will have loads of trouble. Things won't be easy for them. She asks, quote, Do you imagine I would ever have stooped to flattery of this man without having some profit, some scheme in mind? Would I have wasted my breath on him or touched him with these hands? She laughs and she smiles an eerie smile. But she says that with this one day she's been given, quote, The day on which I will make corpses of my three enemies, father, daughter, and husband, my husband. Medea brainstorms. Will she burn their bedroom to the ground? Will she sneak in in the middle of the night and stab them both in the chest? But no, she says. If she gets caught breaking into the palace, she'll be in even more trouble. No, there is a means that she's quite well versed in. That'll be what she'll do. It's poison she knows best. She says that even if she is caught in this scheme, she'll happily die herself if she can go down by killing them both. She swears, quote, "None of them will live to boast of my vexing heart, this I swear by the mistress I revere above all others, my chosen accomplice Hecate who dwells above the hearth within my home." Hecate. Oh Hecate. We'll get to her. Jason himself arrives. Honestly, Jason is a real dick. He claims that he tried to make a home for Medea here, but that she wouldn't hold her tongue. That she has a surly temper. This is an impressive case where an unreasonable and sexist argument against a woman is actually portrayed as such. In the play, we know that Jason is being an asshole. We know that he's in the wrong. Medea is crazy and murderous, sure. But Jason is by no means the hero of this play. He claims he's done everything he can for her. That he's tried to convince Creon that she should stay. That he's helping her. That he's trying to make things easy on her. I think it's perfectly clear he's lying through his teeth. And Medea is well aware. She doesn't believe these claims. She asks him why the hell he came to see her in the first place. Why would he come try to explain himself when he's causing the exile of his wife and children? and a wife that saved his life countless times, no less. Medea makes the very good point that he would be well and dead many times over without her. Just as I said last week, the Argonauts would have been perfectly fucked without Medea. She saved them and Jason specifically, an endless number of times. She saved him when he had to yoke the fire-breathing bulls. He would have been dust without her. She saved him when he had to get past the dragon— He'd be a mess of blood and guts without her. But now he's bored and he's found someone more acceptable by the Greek standards. And so he's kicking her to the curb. And she is, rightly, furious. And has an incredibly valid argument for Jason's general awfulness. She ends this righteous and badass rant by calling out, quote, Oh, Zeus, why is it you have given men clear ways of testing whether gold is counterfeit, but when it comes to men, the body carries no stamp of nature for distinguishing bad from good? A question I think women from every generation have asked ourselves, what I wouldn't give for that type of intuition. I wish I could fully portray to you how obnoxious and sexist and over-the-top Jason's responses to Medea are, but I can only quote so much. Know that he is everything that is still frustrating about the way women are treated when they show any emotions at all, let alone righteous anger. Jason claims that Medea is the crazy one, that the only one who helped him on his quest was Aphrodite with her love potion, that really he's helped her, that he's brought her to Greece where she could learn laws and justice, where she could be free from her barbarous homeland. Does it sound familiar? Is this the same bullshit we as North Americans pull on refugees and generally just immigrants from the Middle East in general? You should be thankful we've saved you from your wretched homeland. But I digress. Jason is an asshole. He says, quote, I have shown true wisdom, yes, and prudence, and further, I have acted like a true friend to you and my children. There are some people that believe their own lies, even when they're utterly beyond comprehension to the rest of the sane world. Medea, rightly, is angry at this point, that he's trying to tell her he didn't need her at all and that he would have been fine, because that's obvious bullshit. He tries to calm her down, though. He says, "'No, you're not understanding. I'm not abandoning you and the children. No, I'm trying to make things better for you. Don't you understand?' I'm trying to make things more comfortable for you and the kids. See, if I marry this princess, we can all be a family, and the children will be better off. So he's now saying that he doesn't want Medea to be exiled. He doesn't want her gone or replaced. No, he wants to marry this princess and have Medea as the live-in mistress, just along with their children, because that's not messed up at all. Really, he says. He's only concerned about the children, and this way, his and Medea's kids would be happy, and he would have more kids with this princess, and so they would have siblings. Finally, he says, There should have been some other means for mankind to reproduce itself, without the need of a female sex. This would rid the world of all its troubles. I won't lie, I'm learning this play for the first time as I tell you this story, researching it this was the first time i've ever had to read it um and i am blown away by it that this patriarchy that is ancient greece that i've railed against in how many episodes at this point that this and euripides have created this pretty fucking feminist play it's badass and i love it and jason is the worst but see he's being portrayed as the worst and that's the thrill it's not just my own feminist interpretation he's actually supposed to be this awful in the play anyway it's awesome thank you euripides medea tries to counter this argument of jason's that you know he's just got everyone's best interests in mind she says that if this was really jason's plan he would have told her about it before agreeing to the marriage in the first place but of course jason constantly comes back to accusing medea of being the dramatic one that she can't see past her jealousy and anger He says no can't you see i'm trying to make life better for you quote my intention was to make you safe and to father princes who would be kindred to my own sons and so provide security for our family i'm constantly blown away by how awful he is so manipulative finally Medea has made her point that she's having none of this bullshit so he turns to offering her money Surprise, surprise. He says he'll give her whatever she needs to get on her way in exile with their children. She rejects it because she knows her fucking worth. And after more snippiness back and forth, seriously, the dialogue in this play is amazing. Jason finally leaves. Now, out of the blue, a new character arrives Aegeus, king of Athens. You'll remember him from the Theseus episode, where Theseus had a particular stepmother who perhaps tried to get him killed, and perhaps I'm even more on her side now, because that stepmother was Medea. See, Aegeus has just come back from the Oracle. He's trying to figure out why he's having so much trouble fathering children. They chat. Medea tells him what's going on, how she's being treated, and how she's being exiled. And Aegeus is totally on her side, which is really nice. He agrees Jason is being a real asshole, and Medea tells him that she can help him with his infertility. He tells her that if she comes to Athens, he'll protect her with all the power that he has. She asks him to promise, as formally as possible, to make an oath that he will indeed protect her if she travels to Athens to help him. And he does. After the events of this play, she flees to Athens and marries Aegeus Aegeus leaves then and soon after he's gone Medea's entire demeanor changes now she's officially out for her revenge she's spoken to Jason and it's very clear he deserves whatever he will get and now she has a place to go once she's committed this crime Aegeus has promised to protect her, and he won't be able to get out of it, even if she's a murderer. She's ready. Medea announces her plan. She will have Jason brought to see her again, saying that she's changed her tune. She'll tell him that it's all for the best, that she understands, and she'll convince him to let their children stay. The children then will be given gifts to provide to the princess, Jason's new bride. They'll be given a finely woven dress and a coronet of beaten gold. But these gifts will be poisoned, and they will kill the princess when she touches them, and they will kill anyone who touches the princess after. She accepts that to complete this, she will have to kill her own children as well. It's a necessary evil, she decides. She will flee immediately to escape the punishment for this type of crime, the punishment being something along the lines of what poor Tantalus had to go through when he too killed his child, even if it was only temporary. The chorus, who have heard Medea's plan, try to convince her not to do it, but she can't be convinced. Medea sends for the nurse and asks her to go get Jason, While we wait, the chorus laments this plan. But they're the chorus, they can't actually do anything to stop the things from happening. Such is the purpose of the chorus in Greek tragedy. They act as a sounding board and they explain implications, but they don't have much influence.
0: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
4: Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
3: Jason arrives. And Medea immediately apologizes for their conversation earlier. She tells him everything he wants to hear, that she's the crazy one. And of course, he's totally right. He's made the right decision. He's helping them. She should have accepted this and been part of his plan to marry this woman as it was clearly in her and their children's best interests. Their children arrive and she plays the loving parent. She calls on them to come to her as she says goodbye to their father. She blames herself for all the trouble, just for good measure. Jason agrees Medea has made the right decision. He doesn't blame her for her womanly anger. It's only natural. He tells the children that he's thought of everything, that they would be safe and raised as the brothers of princes. Then he notices there are tears in Medea's eyes. He asks her what's wrong, and she tells him she's thinking only of the children. She says that she's concerned for them. She can accept her own exile, but she asks Jason to beg Creon not to banish the children as well, to let them stay in Corinth and be siblings to princes just like he promised. She says that she'll send the children with gifts for the princess, their new stepmother. That will convince the princess and her father to let them stay. Medea says she'll send them with a lovely dress and a coronet of gold. Jason tries to convince her to keep these things for herself. His new wife doesn't need them. She's a princess, after all. And if you're wondering, no, I don't want to try to keep pronouncing her name, and that's why I keep calling her the princess. But no, Medea says... She would give anything to help her children stay in their home of Corinth. No, take these gifts. She wants the princess to have them. So Jason leaves with the children and the gifts. After some time, the children's tutor arrives back unexpectedly, and he has with him the children. He tells Medea that it has worked, that the gifts were happily received, and so the children are allowed to stay. The princess has the gifts, and she's more than happy to allow Jason's children to remain in Corinth as her stepchildren. But Medea's not as thrilled as she should be. No, she repeatedly shouts variations on, Oh, misery! Which is probably pretty alarming to the tutor, because he thought he was bringing good news. She sends the tutor away, and she turns to her children. She's distraught, you see. She must leave, and now the children can stay. She tells them about when she carried them and when they were young. She tells them the future she had planned, that they would take care of her when she was old. She doesn't want to leave without them. What will she do without them? All on her own, while they're allowed to stay and live in their home without their mother. They will forget her after a while, and she can't deal with that. There's much back and forth. Should she bring them with her into exile? No, that isn't fair. Should she give up and let her enemies get away with everything? No, she couldn't possibly do that. She tells them how much she loves them. She hugs them and kisses them. But then she tells them, All happiness be yours, but not here. You have lost this world, thanks to your father. Crying, she sends them inside. After some time and some speaking with her chorus about the crime she's about to commit, she stops She sees one of Jason's messengers running towards her, and she knows what's finally going down. The messenger arrives and tells Medea to run as fast as she can, to get away from Corinth immediately. The princess is dead, he says, her and her father. They've been killed by Medea's poisons. Medea is thrilled, and she asks the messenger for details. He's a bit taken aback, you know, because of the murder, but he tells her anyway. He says that the princess put on the dress and the coronet immediately, and that her face lost its color, that, quote, the golden coronet resting on her head released a wondrous stream of devouring fire while the dress that she wore, the gift from your children, began to consume the wretched girl's white flesh. He tells her she became mutilated and was barely recognizable once the poison had done its job. It was painful and disturbing death. Quote, the flesh melted away from her bones like resin from a pine tree. In his effort to save his daughter from this awful death, Creon wrapped himself around her, but he became stuck to her melting skin. He too was consumed by the fire from her destroyed body and he couldn't pull himself away. When he tried, he pulled away at his own now desiccated flesh. The messenger leaves and Medea speaks to the chorus. She tells him that she must kill her children now. She knows they'll be killed because of what she's just done, and so she must do it herself. Medea goes inside the house. And just as in the plays surrounding Oedipus and the Theban saga, there are things that happen off stage. Left on the stage is the chorus, who continue to talk about the imminent death of the children. They try to save them. They hear their voices from inside the house as they cry out that they're about to be killed. Then Jason arrives, and we know that the children have already been killed inside the house by Medea. The chorus tells Jason this. Finally, Medea appears on stage. She is riding a chariot drawn by dragons like the epic sorceress that she is. In the chariot are the corpses of her children. Well, if that wasn't one of the darker episodes, I don't know what was. I gotta say, having this reason to finally read the play Medea and not just know this story from secondhand chatter is a thrill. I knew it was dark, and I knew that it was female-centric in a very unique way for the ancient Greeks, but my god, I didn't know it was this. Epically violent and epically twisted and... Epically truthful about how awful Jason was. There's no hero in this story. Just Medea doing exactly what she thinks is right. This Friday, I'm going to try to tell you a little bit about our friend Hecate, mentioned earlier. The goddess of sorcery and many other fun things. We'll see how much of an episode can come from it. I'm going to try. And then next week... On Halloween, you'll get a very special final October episode. Thank you all for listening. As usual, I would really appreciate it if you would rate and review on iTunes. It helps other people listen to the podcast, and the more people who listen, the easier it is for me to continue making the podcast. As always, you can find me on all the social medias... Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all at MythsBaby. Website, MythsBaby.com. And I have a Patreon, as I mentioned a week or so ago. If you're ever feeling like you, just have all this money to burn. God, what are you going to do with it? That's something. Thank you all again, you're beautiful and wonderful people. And soon things will be funny again, but I think you'll miss the blood and gore. I'm Liv, and my God, I fucking love Medea and all her shit.
0: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers...